Today's date is January 29th, 2017. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is uh, your weekly comic book podcast from your local hub of Columbus, Ohio, where we run you through the new releases, we run you through the new news items, and uh, then we talk about two topics for your amusement. A good time, all in all. If that sounds like a good time to you, be sure to hit like and subscribe. It really does help us out and get us one step closer to our vanity URL for our YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) If you need any links to any of our content, you can go to htbvids.com. Again, that's htbvids.com. And that has buttons all over the main page that'll take you straight to our Stitcher, our iTunes, and our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also look in the menu for to see all our past covers of the week and any written content we may or may not have produced for you. And possibly more on the horizon. Of course. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get into it. Emery, what have you been reading? Oh, uh, well, uh, we I have actually, a feeling it's all been very similar. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's all issues that you managed to pick up from the comic shop this week. And two of them were very entertaining. One of them I haven't read. And the other two of them were uh, s- somewhat exhausting. And I, I would... I was going to say disappointing, but that would mean me having expectations at this point. <laughs> um, well, we'll save the uh, covers of the week ones for later. Right. Uh, so let's start off with Doomsday Clock from DC, which has been the big event comic, which will pop up in our news later on. Uh, number three. What'd you think? I'm trying to formulate a thought as to how I felt about what happened in that book. The problem is, it seemed like everything was happening, but nothing was happening. This is... It's one thing to be methodical and thoughtful in your story structure. Yeah. And then there's stretching a a full comic's worth of material into three. (laughs) Yeah, and this one... I have the same problem with this one as the other ones. You know, the artwork's great, the dialogue's okay, um, but it's just the plot. There's so much going on, but nothing is actually happening. And I feel like each comic is just something that could have been wrapped up in like four pages. <laughs> Instead, we're getting 32 pages of. Well, it's it seems like it's several different plots all running kind of at the same time. Yeah. And t- unfortunately, it's to its detriment because uh, because we only have so much room on the comic, uh, we end up having to basically stop mid-thought in a lot of these. And uh, it's just... It's frustrating because I kind of want to know what happens next or what the point of what that last action each one of those arcs did. Yeah. But I have no idea. And it's not like there was enough story of each of those to make me feel substantially satisfied. Yeah. And spoiler alert for a news item that's coming later. But we're not getting the next issue for two months. So all those loose threads that they keep feeding you 
I, once again, are not going to be satisfied. So that kind of sucks. Yeah, I can see what Jeff Johns is trying to do. Uh, he's kind of writing, he's trying to do the kind of slow, explanatory, you know, epic Alan Moore style right. thing with his writing, but it just, it's not working. <laughs> it's not holding up, and it just makes the book slow, and it feels like it's been, you know, stretched out. Right. It, far it, beyond it's what trying, it should be. It's trying to seem way more poignant than it actually is. Yeah. And I kind of feel bad for Gary Frank, and I think it's the big reason for the delays is probably the strain this is on Gary Frank. Because Gary Frank is he's making great artwork, but he has to make so many panels per page. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it's very sustainable, <laughs> as you'll see in the news items later. So... Yeah, I, I can, and there's all these like side things where they're trying to make analogies to like old movies and stuff, and it's just, again stuff that could be cut out of these books, and you could right. make it so much better. Yeah, the, <laughs> I feel like it would flow a lot better without all this extra content they're trying to shove in it. Yeah, the, I think there's one other gripe, and that specifically has to do with how they arrange the paneling. Specifically, that it felt very mobile device friendly that's true yeah it does seem like it's you know those flip books where it looks like they're moving and stuff you know typical classic animation it feels like it would be that but on a digital device where you just keep tapping it and the face just it just slowly talks and looks around (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah i would definitely agree with that i think that's one of our thoughts on uh mr miracle right yeah, the kind of uh, Mr. Miracle managed to do that well. Yeah, uh, that one it, it seemed like just an easy way to not have to you know get creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Imaginary Fiends number three. Uh, this is a comic we've been pretty high on for the a while now. Still high on it. <laughs> uh, I still love it, but there is one thing in it that I was like. Well, that was a little goofy. (laughs) 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 Yeah, there's a a thing that happened at uh, specifically, it wasn't quite a splash, but it was a a large, it might have been a single page splash where you saw a bunch of characters feeding off of cat's milk from a big ass cat monster thing. Yeah. And this time, just out of nowhere, meow. <laughs> and I mean, it's kind of a spoiler, but it's so goofy, it's not really a spoiler. <laughs> it, it It's kind of a non sequitur within the comic itself. Yeah, everything else about it was really cool, but that one is like, is, like is that the road you want to take? Did, so, they, did, so, did they purposely go out and purchase these bass <laughs> <laughs> after suckling from the demon cat thing? The thing that kind of got me was initially with the them jumping out and going meow. Uh, it, it was all all of these characters were angled in a way where for a second I thought that they had actually turned into cat people, <laughs> and then a page later you see they're just wearing masks. Yeah. Uh, and next up we have Maestro's number four, which is quickly. <laughs> becoming my favorite comic of all time i think i just love everything about this book from steve scrochi and dave stewart (laughs) it's so crazy and so over the top and so awesome 
I just even this cover alone. <laughs> this is literally like balls to the wall. Everything on the fucking line. We're gonna make a comic that is so bonkers and badass and sincere at the same time. Yeah. It touches on some dark stuff. Yeah. Like dark internal trauma. Yeah. <laughs> While also being hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's it's built for anybody who has a dark sense of humor. Oh, If yes. you have a dark sense of humor or this, people have told you you have a dark sense of humor. This is built especially for people this, with a dark sense of which humor. Which is probably why I'm so all over its nuts. Uh, like, I, yeah. I love this book so much. Steve Scrooge and Dave Stewart image. Please don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything. And then the artwork, is the illustration inside, you know, usually on the inside illustration, they kind of cut corners. Not with this book, man. No, they, not even a little bit. They are so elaborate and so detailed and just, they all pop and they just convey the story so well. Maestros, I don't know what else to tell you buy this book yeah if you are above the age of like 14 15 16 buy this book (laughs) what are you doing unless of course you are offended at uh male frontal nudity it occurs from time to time yes it does uh and that brings us uh to our latest segment did the content match the drapes now last week uh we gave our covers of the week to monstrous from santa takeda and Abbott, which was Michaela Dawn on her variant cover. I got to say, even though I'm holding off on reading Monstrous because I haven't caught up since they had a little delay, and that's when I dropped off, as we talked about in the topic last week. Yeah. Uh, somewhere around like seven, eight, somewhere around there. So I'm not fully caught up on this, but I'm getting caught up, and then I'm fucking reading this. So I'll let you know if the content matches the drapes. But I, the only reason I'm bringing it up right now is because this cover is fucking amazing. Even the like material it's made out of. It's pretty phenomenal. These monstrous covers never cease to blow me away. And then just flipping through the inside without having any context, like the artwork is just so damn good. Oh my god. Is Santa Takeda is just next level. Just next level talent. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so damn good. It's so good. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm this this comic is so good, <laughs> uh, especially from an artistic p- standpoint. And the world is so imaginative and so cool. So even though I can't tell you did the content match the drapes yet, <laughs> I, I'm pretty I'm pretty certain the content's gonna match the drapes for Monstrous number thirteen. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check that out now. And it's the new story arc, so uh, you can kind of jump in there. You you can pretty easily like if you got Comicsology Unlimited, you can probably catch up on it it's like five bucks a month or something yeah um and then our variant from boom abbott number one from michaela dawn being the cover artist and writer saladin amid and illustrator sammy cavela unfortunately i don't think this one matched the drapes no it sure didn't (laughs) This was uh, it, probably it, one of the most exhausting reads <laughs> I've ever had for a, a while. Uh, yeah, uh, about the content not matching the drapes. Um, and th- this might be a bit blue of me to say. 
Uh, can we talk about for a minute how this content does not match the drapes that is the writer? Yeah. It... <laughs> <laughs> All right. What? Well, we'll what? get into it. What? Last <laughs> last week, if you watched the episode, we were pretty excited. Yeah. Uh, when we read the synopsis of this, we so excited that we actually read it to you, the audience. Which yeah. We th- typically don't do. Yeah. the The premise was really exciting. The premise was exciting. The character looked great. The cover looked great. But there's something really off about the way it's written. And I'm not saying that a person who isn't black can't write a comic featuring the content that is in here, not to spoil anything, but there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of sequences and a lot of stereotypes and things about Detroit that I don't think are accurate (laughs) in the 1970s. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of things that I think uh, Saladin Ahmed, who I'm fairly certain is not of any kind of sub-saharan african heritage probably not (laughs) particularly not african-american heritage um and i think it shows (laughs) i think it shows really in a really maybe uncomfortable bad way like some of the flashbacks are just kind of corny and over the top and like the book makes literally every white person a racist it, including the one she's friendly with. <laughs> it, it's almost as if this guy watched one Spike Lee movie. More specifically, he watched one Spike Lee movie with uh, Seth MacFarlane sitting right next to him. Yeah. And just determined that, uh, yeah, this is what black people think of white people. <laughs> so it's... I don't know. <laughs> it's just... I thought it was going to focus on her being, you know, a brilliant detective looking into these supernatural things while, you know, going through this 1970s society. In the end, it ends up being more like Lois Lane, who just happens to stumble into something supernatural because she dated some guy from Africa once. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And the guy that she dated from Africa got killed somehow and... Somehow she's not in the loony bin, even though she goes around publicly telling everybody that he was killed by a demon. <laughs> and, y- yeah, and, about that. <laughs> and in a world where it's clear from this writing that the entire police force will frame any black person in the murder of her own boyfriend, somehow she and her former husband, who somehow got in there at some point, even though... He blamed the African guy for tearing their marriage apart, which means she was either dating him during their marriage or they got married after the African guy got murdered in front of her. I think it's the the latter. Still doesn't make a lick of sense. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Um, My biggest question is Detroit? (laughs) Yeah, this is the the home of Motown. Like... (laughs) I'm pretty. This is a. This is a, like. Oh my god. This is a, like Mississippi. This is a Birmingham, Alabama. This is Detroit. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> like I. I don't know. I just. I think there's a lot of analogies and things, and I think the only reason it's in Detroit is because they wanted to put a lot of musical references to Detroit in it. 
And I don't, as you correctly stated to me before we started the podcast, you don't need to be in 1970s Detroit to feature the music you like. (laughs) (laughs) You really don't. So You can just have that music. That's a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Why? So it jumps to this. I don't know. It it somehow both tries to like feature the the issues with racism and sexism, yeah, in the book, but also uses the stereotypes to its advantage, including the mysterious African man who writes magical runes on the door and fights the uh, the evil occult people because <laughs> he's African and he knows the way. <laughs> like, it's just so ridiculous, like. How how do you try to, you know, push the story that features this woman overcoming, you know, issues of racism and sexism in her place of work and, you know, out on the streets, but then also reinforces stereotypes in order to tell the story? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that can only, that's a mistake that's only achieved from a writer that is not from that background uh, yeah or at, at the very least did not yeah. experience much of that background yeah, in his life I, i'm pretty sure saladin ahmed had a good idea but didn't realize that you kind of need a little more than you know lines or concepts that you've heard of in movies now to be fair he has written black people before he black, has black bolt <laughs> What? 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 Yeah, sorry. He is a man. That was a bad His joke. His name I'm was sorry. Black, or more <laughs> specifically, Blackagar. <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> Marvel sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, I I think there was a lot of promise with what they were doing. I think the illustration is wonderful. I think the art on the cover is great. I can't get behind this story, though. It's, it's just so all over the place. And it doesn't know what it wants to be. Like, all of the, like, let's spend five panels on the fucking racism doesn't serve the story that he's trying to tell. Yeah, it's at, like the at story, all. The story should have been about there is a murder mystery. Or there is a mystery that involves the murder that's still kind of a mystery having to do with all of this occult bullshit. And that should have been the focus. <laughs> so I agree with that. I think we we can probably leave it with that. I don't think the content matched the drapes. No. The illustration was great. The artwork was fine. But just, the writing is bad. The writing... I think the I, writing is just out of touch. I don't want to read another issue of this it's exhausting it was it was it was (laughs) that is the perfect word it was long and drawn out and exhausting so i don't know i it had it had promise but it it didn't achieve unfortunately not with that first issue uh and with that let's get into the news first up comic book publisher valiant has been purchased by Damage Entertainment, DMG specifically. Uh, CEO Dan Mintz of Damage uh, stated that he plans to expand, excuse me, expand the Valiant titles into other mediums, including television and movies. 
Valiant currently has a movie deal with Sony Pictures for Bloodshot. As part of the deal, three top executives at Valiant will be stepping down. Peter Cuneo, uh, Dinesh Sh- Shamdani. <laughs> I'm sorry if I totally butchered your, na- your name. Dinesh Shamdani. Okay. I think that's right. And Gavin Cuneo. So, uh, we... <laughs> Ironic that this comes up this week, because literally last week we were tearing Valiant apart for having great characters and stories, but not making anything. Right. So. Uh, yeah. Why? Why are we specifically trying to go the movie route or TV route when we don't have barely any fucking original material? <laughs> To work with. This is... <sighs> this is like trying to eat a cake before you've cooked the cake for it to be a cake from. Yeah. So it's a it's a little difficult to understand. Uh, we'll see what damage does. Honestly, I kind of suspect Valiant's just going to go straight into the ditch. Probably. And eventually, some other company is going to scoop in, like Marvel or DC. You know, is Warner Brothers or Disney is going to sweep like, in and buy it. Whoop. They're like, oh, thanks. We'll take that now. Yep. Um, Next up on the news. Oh, God. I just imagined Ninjak in a Marvel movie. You mean Ninja K? Ninja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, next up, Dark Horse Comics has made a deal with Disney to publish three a three-issue Frozen comic spinoff slated to begin in August. Now, the only reason I include this in the, the comic news is because Disney not only owns Marvel, but Disney also owns the majority stake of Boom, who is known for writing kind of spinoff you know, yeah. pop culture comics. Why would you make a contract with Dark Horse Comics, who you have no stake in, to my knowledge, to make a Frozen comic? And why would Dark Horse even be interested in writing a three-issue Frozen spinoff comic? Because they want that Disney money. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> um, Disney needs to take Elsa's advice... Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> um, you already have Marvel and Boom. Stop. <laughs> I just. Oh my god. I just wonder how much money Dark Horse had to pay for these three issues. You know, <laughs> Could, you couldn't write something original and. <laughs> <laughs> Spend your time and money more wisely? I don't know. Right. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully I it's guess. a fruitful endeavor. I don't know. Just seems like a strange decision by both companies. Here, go ahead and publish something from our properties for your rival comic company. I don't know. They're next. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> our lords, Disney. <laughs> uh, next up. Following the conclusion of the upcoming weekly series, No Justice, which is a Justice League spinoff, it's going to be four-issue weekly comic book, uh, where basically good guys and bad guys have to team up to beat Brainiac, which I think is kind of the premise of Injustice 2, if I'm not mistaken. That is exactly the premise of Injustice 2. But <laughs> I guess Scott Snyder wanted to do his own, so. I guess. 
Uh, following that, Scott Snyder will be taking the, over the reins of the Justice League main proper book. So he's moving from Batman to Batman All All Star Batman, and now to Justice League. So hooray! Look forward to that. I think that's cool. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do with Justice League. Although I don't know why he needed a copy in Justice to transition. Uh, yeah, that's that worries me. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's been some goofy stuff coming from DC lately, so we'll see. Damage. It's basically basically the non like main canon stuff is the good stuff. Yeah. Batman White Knight, Mr. Miracle, you know, the, all the Vertigo stuff. Yeah. Eh, not so much the main titles, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, Batman's been okay, but it's been more centered around like a romantic soap opera with Catwoman than actual Batman. Ooh. So take it as you will. Yep. Uh next up our first look at Brie Larson as Captain Marvel has been released in the form of set photos. Uh, in them, Brie Larson can be seen sporting the green Captain Marvel suit, as seen here. Now, I think we'll save our thoughts, because I think your topic includes this uh, for now. But um, basically, there's a big huff on the internet about it, because uh, I'm not that familiar with Captain Marvel. At least not Marvel, Captain Marvel. Shazam, yes. Captain Marvel, no. Um, <laughs> but apparently the green suit is like a signification of rank that the old like Captain Marvel wore and not Brie Larson's Captain Marvel character. Yeah, about that. <laughs> I have thoughts. I have feelings. Mm. that I'm going to share later. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, next up. Uh, Batman and the Signal, number two, has been delayed two weeks and will be premiering on February 21st instead of February 7th. I say just cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. No love for the Signal, huh? It, it, I have no love for any more fucking rip-off Batman characters. That's what I have no patience for. We got enough. Stop it. See, stop y- it. Y- you know what, Snyder? Si- uh, you've done great work. <laughs> Need to stop. <laughs> y- you know what, Signal? Scott, he should have teamed up with. Love you. Gotta stop. He should have teamed up with his actual bat signal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he just lugs it around. <laughs> That's his superpower. He blinds you. <laughs> I have to go where I'm needed. <laughs> And I only know where I'm needed, thanks to the signal. (laughs) (laughs) Next up on the news, this is a big one that's kind of disappointing to me. You'll notice a theme from DC News this week. Um, DC's Immortal Men from James Tinian and Jim Lee has been delayed an additional four months. Originally, it was slated to come out December 6, 2017, which is why it keeps popping up on our new releases and then not showing up on the shelves. Um but now it's going to premiere April 11th, 2018. Uh, it, it was supposed to be a key title in the slate of the new era of DC Heroes, which has been the new addition or the new initiative from DC to add brand new, interesting uh, superheroes of diversity and bringing back some like less some other characters that need some love, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah. Which I've been all about, and Immortal Man was probably the one I was looking forward to most because a I love Jim Lee and I think the premise is pretty cool. Um, Who but, doesn't like the Fantastic? F- no, wait, 
<laughs> These are the immortal men. You're talking, yeah. The, the, you're, you're talking about the terrifics. The, the terrifics. That's right. Uh, but different title. <laughs> different title. Immortal Man was actually kind of an original concept, so I was really interested in it. Okay. Unfortunately, it keeps getting delayed, which is not a good sign. And I think it goes back to something we talked about in the past, where I have complained about this constantly, and it's happened to Scott Snyder. It's happened to several other creators, um, but. I think the reason it's getting delayed so much is Jim Lee. I think they're overworking Jim Lee and they're stretching him out way too much. Oh, they're definitely overworking. I mean, he's Jim doing Lee. he's doing covers for, you know, Doomsday Clock. He's doing covers for every variant of the fucking Dark Knight's metal thing. Um, <laughs> he he's doing the artwork for several different titles and the, the new stuff is just taking a back seat while they try to finish all this stuff. And I think, I think they just like assign way too much to him. And I, I it might be Jim Lee's fault where he's, he's thought, you know, I'm not going to be too busy. I can do this. And then once the convention scene came along and then all the work started catching up to him, he's like, Oh man, why did I sign on to do this much stuff? <laughs> and he's also one of the creative, you know, um, people for the movies too. You know, they come to him yeah. for imagery and those sorts of things. I think he's just taking on way too much. He's doing, you know, commissions for Marvel, you know, for the Phoenix stuff. He's been doing covers for him. Like, he's just doing way too much, man. And I think that's why a lot of these delays are coming. It's just they're they're overworking the artists. Got to give me some of that Jim Lee artwork. <laughs> and I think that's what happened with, you know, Doomsday Clock, where Jim Lee isn't the main artist for that book. But I think the artist is having to do so many freaking panels that they just can't sustain it every month, especially in a 32-issue book, you know. Jim Lee, I know you've been spread pretty thin, but I have an idea for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't have an idea for you. My, I, I do have advice. Wait, <laughs> for the love of God, just <laughs> you, make it so that you have the time to actually, one, let the good ideas that you have gestate a little bit so they, they can become great ideas, Yeah, and two, it, prioritize. Honestly, See, I think the immortal men should have taken priority. Yeah, especially for this new big initiative, and that it was supposed to be a flagship title. Yeah. So you know, uh, that's kind of a bummer, and uh, I do think it's just the artist just can't keep up with the workload. You know, for a writer, it is tough, but you're the first person in line. So yeah, you cre- come up with the concept, you create the script, and then you send it off to everybody else. Then the penciler, which would be Jim Lee would have to do it. Then the inker, which is probably also the main artist, and then the colorist has to do it, and then the letterist has to do it. And all of these people in line have to wait for the person before them to finish before they can start. Right. So I I suspect <clears throat> that most of these delays are just coming down to overworking the artists and the artist just can't keep up, you know? It takes people don't understand. It's a lot of work and a lot of man hours to create all this content, especially if you want good content, you know. And I think even even with the rush, I think Jim Lee's artwork is starting to kind of waver a little. And it's still great art, but uh, with the latest Wonder Woman variant of uh, Dark Knight's Metal number five, I think, I think you and I both saw there's there's some anatomy issues where yeah. <laughs> Wonder Woman's head and neck are 
about a foot to the right of where it should be, and just I think things got digitally misplaced. I don't even know. Image. I don't even think it was digital. I think he was just trying to get the stuff out, you know. And he's just, I think he's just so overloaded he didn't have time to correct it or anything, you know. Uh, maybe. And I think some of it comes down to shading and whatever else, but I think it falls on Jim Lee, and I think it's just because he's overworked and he's trying to put out too much stuff. DC. Um, Stop. You know what would solve a lot of these problems? More artists? Make, making, well, yes, but also making the stuff before you decide to release it, you know? Instead of doing it from month to month to month, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, basically. Why yeah. not just write up, commission them for six issues, have them do the six issues, and then release them for six months while they create the next six issues? <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that would give them much more time, much more leeway. That would be quite the business model. And then they would know whether they, you know, are going to get canceled or not, and they can <laughs> focus their work on the stuff that needs it. Right. I don't know. Mm. But I know it's a crazy concept, but that's just me. I would love to have a creator in here to tell me why I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm, really, yeah. I, I'm really interested in why that's not done more often, without a ton of things, movie universes, comic books, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like a pretty easy solution. Um, so that's unfortunate. And then finally, DC's Doomsday Clock number four has been delayed a month and it will now release March 28th, 2018 instead of February. And it has been announced by Jeff Johns that the title will move to one comic every two months for release schedule, uh, for the time being and on into the future, uh, for at least three issues, if not more. <sighs> So, like I said, I think they just, you know, because they live paycheck to paycheck in terms of how they release their comics and how they create the comics, they just committed to this, not realizing that a thick 32-issue book with really good art and a ton of panels. 32 pages. Yeah, 32 pages with a ton of panels is not sustainable, you know. So, (laughs) I don't know. I just think it could be easily solved if you just committed a team to making one book and they finished it and then they gave it to you for publication for the next year. Well, I I just think it's a problem of story structure. I mean, the way that I would have started this is start it from, like, have one comic be from one singular point of view that it follows through to the end. And then for the next comic... You go to a different point of view, pick it up somewhere in the middle of the last one, and then have them veer off where the, wherever the hell they're supposed to go. Um, <clears throat> for some reason, he, he likes all of these storylines running at the exact same time. At a snail's pace. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you, they, there's not enough room in the comic for that. Yeah, so, and I don't know. I feel like if you wrote it all out at once... You could probably avoid that. Oh, yeah. But that's just me. Uh, Next up, Disney's XD's Spider-Man cartoon has been renewed for a second season. This is newsworthy only because there was rumors going around that it's going to be canceled. I don't watch the show. I don't know if it's any good or not. But if you or your children like that Spider-Man XD cartoon, congrats. It's getting a second season. Ray, I guess. And next up, a lost story from... 
Super the Superman creators Siegel and Schuster will premiere in Action Comics number one thousand. The story is titled Too Many Heroes. Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> and was given to DC from a fan who had bought the private work from the Joe Schuster studio. Um, I just thought that was pretty cool. Pretty newsworthy that they actually got a lost story that hasn't been published and they're going to put it in there. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of silly and dumb, though, is that there was an original version, which was made in the 40s by the original creators. The version they're publishing is one that got edited by the Schuster studio people, not Schuster himself, but his studio, and rewritten in the 50s, which, as many people know, is one of the worst, most corny eras in comic books. Yep. Um, and they're publishing that version instead of the original version. So it, it Maybe called- they just don't have access to the original version, but I thought that was kind of a strange choice. Uh, what, what was it called? The, uh, too many heroes, too many cooks, because <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to. It. I think it's pretty cool. I know fanboys are walling out because they got the red underpants again, but you know whatever. <laughs> I didn't care that much to begin with. Okay, let let me uh, actually rephrase. Not too many cooks, too many capes. <laughs> <laughs> And that, my friends, is the news. And we now get to that point. Every time, same bat time, same bat channel. Bob, do you want to do the honors? What books are we eating up this week? Well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. Whoa, 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 whoa. That wasn't me. That was Bob. Well, Bob, <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Holy shit. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, as you know, we use the resource freshcomics.us to get all the new releases for this week and every week going into the future. Freshcomics.us is an awesome, awesome resource. If you don't remember the link title, freshcomics.us, you can always go to our website, htbvids.com. And we have new releases for this week. Just click that big green button right on the title page, and that'll lead you right to the new releases where you can look at all the new covers and all the new issues and all the variants and all the reprintings and all that stuff. So great resource. Uh, Just want to give them a shout out. First up, from Marvel Comics, we have All New Wolverine, number 30. We have Avengers, number 678. We have Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number 13. We have... Uh, Captain Marvel, number 128. We have Invincible Iron Man, number 596. We have Jean Grey, number 11. We have Jessica Jones, number 16. We have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 27. What the hell is that? You know... (laughs) (laughs) Some concepts just seem ridiculous when you say them out loud. And why are the Fantastic Four on the cover? Are they back? Are they back? You know, (laughs) (laughs) we're still kind of figuring that one out. (laughs) Um, Next up, Moon Knight number 191 with a pretty cool cover. Um, Also, that was the Fantastic Two. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Um, we have Old Man Logan, number 34. We have Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, number 5. Uh, we have Punisher, The Platoon, number 5. We have Spider-Gwen, number 28. We have Star Wars, Dr. Afra, number 16, for you fucking nerds, which has <laughs> the worst Rose variant cover ever. It's so literally the depressing worst. looking. Rose is also probably the worst Star Wars character of all time. Second only to maybe Jar Jar. Ooh. Maybe. Ooh. And I'm not even sure of that. Oh my god. Rose is <laughs> awful. I mean, ooh. ooh. And this this cover like just takes an already bad character and makes her like just it's like sad it, and depressing looking. Like, it's one thing for us to not want her there, but to post a picture of her where it makes it very clear that even she doesn't want to be here. <laughs> Goddamn, guys. Next up, uh, we have Star Wars The Last Jedi, DJ Most Wanted number one. Okay, you know what? Well, now fuck, we fuck now we know whole thing. Now we know why they went on that side quest. It's so they could make more comic book characters. You know, th- th- uh, I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it right now. You guys over at Marvel need to quit with the tie-in books. That is basically giving license to everyone making a Star Wars movie to have nothing but. Plot holes, <laughs> guys. Next up, we have Tales of Suspense number one hundred and one. We have The Amazing Spider-Man: Renew Your Vows number fifteen, which kind of reminds me of like a Dumbo scene. Yeah, uh, we have The Defenders, or maybe it's Pinocchio. That's what I'm thinking of. Next up, we have The Defenders number nine. We have The Despicable Deadpool number two ninety three. We have The Falcon number four. We have The Incredible Hulk, number 712. And that wraps up Marvel. From IDW, we have Atomic Robo, The Spectre of Tomorrow, number 4. We have Black Crown Quarterly, number 2, Winter of 2018. We have Dread Gods, number (laughs) 3. We have My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number 62. (laughs) Uh, you sounded like a horse. <laughs> we have Samurai Jack, Quantum Jack. <laughs> Quantum Jack? They gotta quit with that name. That subtitle is awful. Quantum Jack. Number four. Oh. Quantum Jack and something. Oh, oh it's so bad. Uh, next up, we have Star Trek, Boldly Go, number 16. We have... Star Wars Adventures, Forces of Destiny, Rose and Paige. What? Go fuck yourselves. Uh, We have Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters, number one. We have The Infinite Loop, Nothing But the Truth, number four. We have The Powerpuff Girls, The Bureau of Bad, number three. We and we have Walt Disney's Comics and Stories number 741. From DC Comics, we have Astro City number 50. We have Dark Knight's Metal number 5. We have Deathstroke Annual number 1. We have Detective Comics Annual number 1. 
We have Harley Quinn, number 36. We have JLA slash Doom Patrol special, number one, <laughs> featuring the Milkman. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, it looks pretty super to me. <laughs> um, next, we have Motherlands, number one. We have Mystic U, number two. It's been a while since that comic came out. Jeez, it took him yeah. a while. I wonder if that got delayed. Uh, next up, we have one of the flagship titles of the new era of DC Heroes, Silencer, number one. Ooh, yeah, I got to pick that up. We have The Flash Annual, number one. And that wraps up DC. From Image Comics, we have Bonehead, number two. We have Elephant Men, number 80. We have God Complex, number four. We have Hack and Slash Resurrection, uh, number four. We have Outcast, number 33. We have Spawn, number 282. We have... The Beauty, number 19. We have The Realm, number 5. We have Underwinter, A Field of Feathers, number 4. We have Void Trip, number 3. From Valiant, we have Eternity, number 4. And we have Quantum and Woody, number 2. See all that content they have to build a (laughs) movie universe from? It's wonderful. Yeah, about that. From Boom Studios, we have Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack, number five. Um, ah, hell. We have Lazaretto, number five. And we have the most annoying title ever, The Amori Wars, Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, number 10. God, no. No, no, fucking no. Shorten you guys title. need to quit. That's just obnoxious. Ugh. Uh, next up, no one should have to read a title that fucking long. <laughs> From Dark Horse Comics, we have Hungry Ghosts, number one. We have Joe Golem, Occult Detective, Flesh and Blood, number two. See, see, this is why Dark Horse and Frozen are a match made in heaven. Right? Dark Horse writes nothing but occult and bloody fiction. Yeah. Perfect for Frozen. Yeah. Thank you, Disney. What? <laughs> Uh, next up, from Archie Comics, we have Archie and Me Comics Digest number four. We have B&V, Friends Jumbo Comics Digest number 258. We have Betty and Veronica, Jumbo Comics Digest number 260. And we have Riverdale number 10. Oh, boy. Next up, from Oni Press, <laughs> we have Kaiju Max, season three, number six. We have Rick and Morty, number 34. From Scout Comics, we have Ghosts of Hiroshima, number two. We have Infernoct, which is one of the coolest names ever, number four. That is really cool looking. And we have Long Lost, the Columbus-written comic, written by some people that we know at uh, Laughing Ogre. Uh, Long Lost, number three. Uh, From Titan Books, we have Doctor Who, The Tenth Doctor Adventures, Year Three, number 13, (sighs) <sighs> and the beautiful death number five. Really, guys? Sonic screwdriver yourself. <laughs> uh, Don't get me wrong. I like Doctor Who, but that title is absurd. You don't need that much. <laughs> Just put Doctor Who season blah. Yeah. Duh. Uh, from Dynamite Entertainment, we have Lark's Killer, number five. 
From Vault Comics, we have Maxwell's Demons, number two. Reactor, number two. Aftershock Comics, we have Animosity, number 12. And Dark Arc, number five. From Lion Forge Comics, we have Catalyst Prime, Kino, number three. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Please remember to support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious, nay life-changing, award of cover and variant cover of the week. Now, uh, this week, we're not going to have a variant cover of the week. We've done this two times before, I think. This week, we're going to have two co-covers because we weren't really that in love with the variants this week. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. But the regular covers were pretty solid, so we decided to just pick two regular covers instead of having to shun one for an inferior variant cover. So first up, uh, our first cover of the week goes to Marvel's Tales of Suspense, number 101, cover by Andre Sorrentino. Now, this uh, one, I just I, I thought it was hot. Just the way that uh, the layers of imagery that it has... Yeah, it it's kind of it kind of looks like what happens when you take a picture of somebody and try to put one of those, you know, cartoonify me things, like those filters on it where it tries to make you look drawn or something. That's what it kind of looks like, but I think it's actually paint. You know, if you look closely, it looks like a lot of dots of paints. Oh, yeah, this definitely looks like it was hand painted. Yeah. And it's very it's very reminiscent of uh kind of the old like, you know, um James Bond introductions you know the kind right? of swirling gun chamber you know oh my god yeah into the target and it looks like whatever's going on hawkeye is going to be going after black widow uh or, or at least that's what it looks like but it, it's just a pretty cool cover i love the art style i love the aesthetic i like the whole james bond thing they're going for you know 007 they managed to have three characters on this cover now, uh, what's also cool about this book is that I believe the last issue, number 100, also received our cover of the week, and I'm pretty sure that was a completely different artist. So it's pretty cool that they've consistently had really good covers from this title, from yeah. totally different artists. Yeah, th these guys are knocking it out of the park, cover-wise. Yeah, so oh, congratulations to Andre Sarantino. Uh, your cover is fantastic. I don't remember if you were the cover artist before. But if you were, great job <laughs> for appearing not once, but twice on our show. Next up, our co-cover of the week. Yeah. Goes to DC slash Vertigo's Astro City number 50. This cover done by Alex Ross. Now, um, one of the big reasons I chose this cover is because, A, I think Astro City has had a lot of great covers and it just doesn't receive the love that it deserves because I think a lot of people overlook it because they haven't read it yet. But this cover in particular just has like tons of different kind of flashbacks to stuff that's happened in the past in the Astro City books uh, with uh, the character walking in the forefront. And it's all kind of in a shattered, broken glass thing, which, you know, it's been done before, but I think this one's done so well. It creates a really awesome aesthetic, and it's really colorful and really interesting. And even the, the panels and the art are different styles of art. You know, some are kind of more cartoony, and some are more realistic. Yeah, it's like you can almost like see across that entire cover the evolution, most likely, of the covers. Uh, but there's something about it that definitely speaks to um, 
and this is something that I was kind of surprised they did this in uh, Rogan Gambit uh, issue one. It's like they they had this image where it's a bunch of scenes from history or like scenes that uh, you've seen from them before. Yeah, and they pull they put it all as a backdrop to this main image, mm-hmm. and this. Co- this cover has managed to do that same thing really, really well. So, yeah, I love the cover. I think it's great. I think it uses colors wonderfully. I think the design of the kind of shattered glass aesthetic is done perfectly. And I think that even the character in the forefront looks great and has a cool, you know, aesthetic where it's kind of walking on the path uh, moving forward, which is consistent with what's been going on in the story prior to this. Um, if you're not familiar, the 50th issue is starting a new story arc. Uh, I'm not fully caught up, but I'm pretty familiar with what's been going on. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, big congratulations to Alex Ross once again f- for being co-cover of the week with Astro City number 50 and to Tales of Suspense number 101 cover done by Andre Sarantino. Uh, look forward to seeing if the content matches drapes at some time in the future. Uh, convenient part of Tales of Suspense number 101 is it directly follows up what happened in number 100, which we still have to get our hands on. Uh, I think yeah. I might have bought, but I just didn't have the chance to read it. So um, we can actually cover <laughs> two of our covers of the week Hey, uh, for our Did the Content Match the Drapes segment next week. So look forward to that. And once again, congratulations to the two fantastic artists. We look forward to seeing more from you. And now for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss a topic about the world of comics for your amusement. Emery, what is your topic? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, So you remember that uh, Captain Marvel thing that uh, I said I had feelings and opinions on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Green outfit. Has a history with the Kree, apparently. I don't know anything about that stuff because I, yeah, <laughs> space stuff bores me. Right. Uh, my topic for today is going to be. I was originally going to call it the insidious nature of the first glance, but I'm just calling it judging a book by its cover. Um, I say that because this is the type of thing that. One, we have already seen, what is it? We've already seen artwork for this movie where she is wearing the colors that everyone expects her to. This particular costume could very well have been just like a a tryout just to see what the textures would look like. It could be. It's also on a street, though. It's on a street set. Right. It's not just like an isolated studio. So I think it's going to be in the movie for sure. I just think it's going to be more like a, you know, like a starter this, training outfit. This yeah. is what you get, you know, or yeah. she borrows the outfit of a, a previous Marvel that she watched died or something, you know. Right. If you're familiar with the Captain Marvels, <laughs> all the ones that have existed up to Miss Marvel, a lot of them die. <laughs> They're kind of yeah. like Green Lanterns. They just kind of go, and then somebody takes over for them. It's like, poof. Oh, wait. We have another one. Uh, there goes another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, about that. Why do we have three of them in one movie again, maybe? Why do we have seven Green Lanterns? I don't know. 
That's a fair point. (laughs) Uh, My biggest issue with this whole thing is, one, we already know that she's not going to end with those colors. Probably not. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. In the Marvel, like, their very first Marvel Studios movie, Iron Man, several different suits. Mm. This should not be... He has the original big, bulky, welded suit that he made for himself. Then he goes into the first model of his suit, and then he goes into the second model of his suit, and then he creates an army of models of his suit. Because he really likes being a man in a can. Um, Don't we all? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> the, the the big thing with this, though, is there have already been people out there who have basically photoshopped it to where they swapped all the colors out for the colors that we're all expecting. Yeah. And we just... Why are we this worried about something that is already promised to look the way you expect it to mm-hmm. by the end. Like, And here's the thing. I didn't think those colors were all that bad. I thought the outfit looked good. I don't care. I don't have any context or history with Captain Marvel, that the Marvels, Captain Marvel, or the kind of history with her and the other Marvels. I don't, you know, I, I know most of it, but, you know, just kind of in fleeting, you know, side context. I don't really care <laughs> like what color his suit is as long as it looks okay and it's not a giant CG Green Lantern outfit. <laughs> like, oh. Poor Ryan Reynolds had to sport. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not that, I'm cool with it. It looks fine. I think they're still working on, on his CGI mask. <sighs> <sighs> Do they have updates for Blu-rays? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, look, here's the thing about this. Going into it, immediately judging it, knowing full well what you're already going to get in the end makes no sense to me. And that's all I've heard online about this one image, well, this set of images. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just a vocal minority of people. I don't think anybody really gives a shit. Uh, right. I don't. Yeah. I think it's just a few people with too much time on their hands that feel the need to argue on the internet you know i yeah. i think everybody's been there once you know where you've gotten into an argument for me it was about the joker <laughs> for you know suicide squad with the stupid teeth and the stupid tattoos all over his face and the right what was it what was on his forehead i don't remember yeah we definitely judged a book by its damage on that one yeah damaged across his forehead and it was just a bunch of stupid shit <laughs> it's, it's like i don't need that like and maybe I could maybe justify the stupid teeth if like Batman just beat the shit out of him all the time and knocked all his teeth out, and that's just that, what that's he just could his get. Mouth. That's yeah. just what he could get, you know. Yeah, he, with he's the a- Arkham Asylum insurance, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, the tattoos and everything and the whole aesthetic, I was just like, ah, this is gonna be awful. And it won, it won an Academy Award. So what do I know? <laughs> Yeah, about that. <laughs> so that's you, you, that's you know a case where I can be later. Oh my god! Please don't make me. <laughs> but uh, it won an Academy Award, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody was in the trailer, and it won an Academy Award. 
I think we're good. You're gonna watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I. That's a case where I judged the cover completely by the books. Whether I was right or wrong, I was probably right. But <laughs> whether I was yeah. right or wrong, you know, I've gotten into arguments with people who are like, "No, it's cool. They're taking it in a new direction." And like, even with Lex Luthor when they announced it was Jesse Eisenberg, that's another thing. I just like, no, you are ruining the whole basis of this character. The whole point of this character is blah 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 blah, not some like weird teenager looking. You know, twerp, weird little tech geek who's pretending to be Joker and stuffing Jolly Ranchers in people's mouths and stuff. I just, it's just so, so awful. And I knew that was going to be bad from the beginning. You know, way ahead of time when they made the announcement, because for a long time the rumors was that they were going to put Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor. He had just come off of Breaking Bad. He already had all the recognition. He would easily draw people to the box office, and I think he would play a really good Lex Luthor. But then they chose. Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg? Eisenberg? What? So that's another point where, yes, I got in arguments with people, and people were like, oh, give it a chance, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. When they ruin this, they're going to continue ruining it for about 10 years, and they're going to cause superhero fatigue for DC heroes and for their movies. And then when they want to reboot, they're not going to be able to because the audience won't be there anymore because they scared them away. And yeah <laughs> so that those were the kind of arguments i was having you know with people and you know i've been yeah. there i've been sucked in i i know i know it's hard to resist but just let it go this one this one especially because this one's just it's fine it's fine <laughs> it's fine it's, it's, it's actually... not drastically changing the history of the character or the legacy or the, you know it's not a big obviously cg outfit you know it's not goofy it looks yeah. it looks good it looks yeah, fine th- like the thing that we do when we look at covers and based on these covers we make a decision as to whether or not we want to go by this issue uh there there is a preconceived notion that i personally have toward the book abbott that it was going to be great because, like, I had read the premise, I looked at the cover, this looked like basically take the hard-boiled magic detective that is Constantine and switch it to a reporter. It, It seemed like this would be, like, the easiest thing. And lo and behold, I, I was led in a very different direction. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I I th- I think there's plenty of times where I've been guilty of judging books by the cover. Dark Knight's Metal has been the most recent one, I think. But um, yeah, I, I've heard weirdly good things about the <coughs> the Batman who laughs. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> the cover. I mean, we got the Aqua Batman and the Joker Batman and the Doomsday Batman and, and, and the, the Cyborg Batman and, and the Fast Batman. The fa- yeah, Fast Bat. Fast Bat. The fastest bat alive. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's silly, and I think the premise is dumb. But I don't know. I, I apparently I have to check it out because half of these new era of DC heroes is based on the metal. Is like tie coming out and of the that. signal and all these stupid characters that I, we just don't need. But and that's uh, one of the plot devices they're using to bring back a lot of characters that were taken care of in convergence and stuff. You know, right? Which 
That's another. <laughs> you have to have a dumb event to correct the mistakes of the previous dumb event. <laughs> Maybe just stop having dumb events. <laughs> I don't know. It's just me. I don't know. But yeah, that's an example where you know reviews are pretty good. But I just I can't get over the concept, and I'm completely judging the book by the cover. You know, I love the artist. I love the writer. I love uh, you know the the people that are reviewing it and telling me that it's pretty decent. At least most of them. I just can't get over it. <laughs> so yeah. until I actually get into it, I'm just going to continue judging a book by the cover. And then there's the Nightwing issue that we had for our cover <laughs> of the week last week where we it was featured on our Did the Content Match the Drapes where we absolutely loved the cover. Yeah. The cover was amazing. And if I had just seen that cover, I would have assumed that the interior was just as great. Right. Like I was in for a big, epic flashback story. And what I got was not even close <laughs> with King Sturgeon and... The guppy? child guppy. This <laughs> 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 so stupid. Why are we fighting uh, people that belong in an Aquaman count? Oh no, wait. They don't belong the, there because the they're owner street of the sharks. casino, the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind of fucking backwards world? Oh no, wait. I know why they're the good guys because we also live in a world where <clears throat> we can have someone kill the god of war. And that actually stops a war. <sighs> Don't remind me. Uh, it still hurts. It, it does. Such a good movie up to then. It's a good movie they until it's shit on their whole plot. They shit on their whole plot. They're shitting on World War Two. Well, one, right? Well, I mean, the end of World War One. Yeah. But to say that. There was never another war like this on this earth again. Ever. Ever. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's pretty, oh. it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, I think there's plenty of examples from both of us where we have judged a book by the cover. I think there's there's times where we got to take a step back and be like, are we overreacting? Am I overreacting to this? Am I being objective? Yeah, and I... Um, for me, I think that's what killed a lot of new 52 stuff because initially I was like, why are they changing all this stuff? I mean, it was fine how it was. I mean, there's kind of too many characters, but you know, spinoff characters that is. Yeah. But I think it's okay. You know, I think they were still putting out really good content and, you know, <clears throat> really great artwork and, you know, Blackest Night and, you know, Hush and, um, prior Ooh. Flashpoint, you know, um, Night. Yeah, I have that whole run. It's so oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. But um, back when I still loved Jeff Johns. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I still love him. He just hates Nightwing. So until so he stops hating, kind I kind of hate him. Yes. <laughs> it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> Leave Nightwing alone. <laughs> he did nothing to you. But, um, I, you know, I was uh, totally judging books by the covers, you know, because they released a new line with, you know, a bunch of people and new looks. And, you know, they made Oracle back into Batgirl again, which at first I was like, well, wasn't she permanently disabled? Are we just going to overlook that? Or, well, but then it ended up being a really great thing because Gail Simone wrote a great story. And the, the reasons why she went from being Oracle to Batgirl again were made sense, you know, um, made sense enough. And it, it got rid of a lot of the, you know, Kane, Batgirl, and the, the Stephanie Brown spoiler Batgirl, and all the other nonsensical Batgirls we had. We got back the to ninja the ninja bat. One. <laughs> back to the good one. 
So I I applaud anything that reduces the size of this goddamn <laughs> bat family. Well, even a little bit. The cave just keeps getting bigger. But um, when I finally did get into it, and it was years, probably two years after it had begun, because I was in the military at the time and was obviously busy. <laughs> yeah. But once I finally did get back into everything, uh, big thanks to Comixology, because I didn't have a local comic shop at this time, um, I ended up falling in love with a lot of it, the vast majority of it. I think the only one that I was like, ooh, this book is this book's pretty cringeworthy. Is um, I think it was the Dark Knight. It's the one that had the White Rabbit villain, the Ooh. Playboy villain, and just not really good stories and kind of bad artwork. But most of the books were really good. Superman was pretty good. I think Action Comics was really good uh, for Superman fans. Um, Detective Comics was good. Batman proper was outstanding swamp thing was outstanding animal man was outstanding aquaman was outstanding justice league for those first few story arcs were really really solid really great um throne of atlantis was a great story arc um also hashtag bring back animal man yeah <laughs> what they did with wonder woman was outstanding that that the artwork was so cool and iconic and different um yeah a lot like those hawkeye issues that were going on at the same time um on marvel's side it was just they were doing a lot of great things and had a lot of great titles and books. Uh, Aquaman and the others, um, and Justice League Dark, um, ooh, uh, Dark. Gotham by Midnight, just a ton of really great, awesome titles. That if I had continued to judge the books by the cover and be like, how dare they do this to my characters? <laughs> Which again, it took me like a year and a half, two years to even give them a shot. Yeah, you know? partially because I was busy, but partially because I was judging the books by the cover. And then I jumped into them, and I was like, wow, these are awesome. These are fantastic. Even Nightwing, you know, people were pissed off because he went back to the red suit. I thought it looked good. I thought it looked great. It was fine. And, you know, I was a little butthurt about it myself when I saw it. I was like, well, why did they go back to the red? Now he's just like Red Hood and Red Robin and everybody else. Why didn't, why didn't he stay with the blue? Kind of yeah. made him stick out. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I, I like this. Kyle Higgins knows what he's doing, you know? Yeah. So there was a lot of that going on, and that's that's probably the most obvious example for in my history with comics, where I, I did overreact and totally judge a book by the cover. And when I read it, I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty good. For Where that differs from right now, where a lot of my, I think my criticisms are valid, I actually read Convergence. <laughs> I read Divergence. I read all the following arcs, and it was basically just going... Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. We tried something new. Here's the old stuff, but together. <laughs> we'll put all of it together. And that's where I was just like, oh, no. And then the story arcs are just dumb and <laughs> don't make sense. And like, there's a million new characters that are the same character, but from a different universe or a different color or, you know, did, whatever. Did we really make Nightwing fight zombie nasty Nightwing? Was that a thing? I feel like that was a thing. I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> just, but it, there was just a lot of stupid going on and i think my valid my criticisms are pretty valued now because i actually have read a lot of them but whereas new 52 i was totally judging a book by the cover and i le I learned my lesson and uh, i think a lot of people did you know once they got rid of it and i think dc made a lot of great changes particularly with the aesthetic when they finally got rid of the rebirth banner and went to the new like cover design but Prior to that, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that I think I had valid criticisms of, and I could see it coming beforehand. And yes, I was judging a book by a cover initially, and then I got into it and proved it. And um, with New 52, 
I judged a book by a cover and probably missed out on a lot of great content for a year and a half, two years until I finally took the dive, went into it and fell in love with a lot of it. So, you know, <laughs> to each their own, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to know when you're holding yourself back from great stuff and great stories and content and when your, your criticisms are valid, you know? Yeah. I actually, I, I can relate to that very well. <clears throat> Specifically when it came to the walking dead, uh, the Walking Dead was, this was a comic book title that I had seen for years. Mm-hmm. Never touched it. See, I, this is one of my biggest mistakes. I, I don't know if I've told you, but Walking Dead, <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah. Walking Dead was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made <laughs> as a comic fan and collector. Now, as I as if you've gone to our instructional videos, I tell you my kind of theory on collecting comics, you know. If you're into it or you think it might be big, get the number one and number two. Maybe get two copies of number one, you know, in particular. Get the first few issues. Even if you're not wild about it, pick them up, you know, before they're gone from store shelves. Because you never know what's going to be made into a hit TV show or a movie or something down the line. And then you're going to really wish you had bought it, you know. Right. Walking Dead is probably my biggest mistake as a comic fan where I saw the number one. But at the time, the zombie craze was in full force, and I was just like, oh, great, another zombie book. Whatever. Like, I wasn't a zombie guy. I was like, it's fine in, like, a survival game or something, but, like, every game was a zombie thing. You know, there's the Left 4 Dead games. And, yeah. Uh, the one where you're the reporter running through the mall, killing a bunch of them. Dead Rising. Yeah, thank you. And then, obviously, you, st- you still had the old, like, Resident Evil and Silent oh, Hill yeah. <laughs> and just all these things that feature a ton of zombies and zombie-like creatures. And I was just like, oh, great, wonderful, another zombie thing. And I totally dismissed it. Dis- you know, the cover art was fine. But it was just like, whatever. And I completely ignored it. If I had picked Lo it up. and behold. If I had picked it up, that number one, number two, number three, those books would probably be worth several thousand dollars now. And it would have cost me three bucks. Oh, oh, I hate my myself. <laughs> I hate myself so much for that. <laughs> and I did the same thing where I was just like, oh, great, another zombie book, you know, and I just right. completely dismissed it. Man, <laughs> do I regret it. it. Not only was it a good book, but it's also very valuable now. So who would have thunk? Yeah. No one saw AMC making it into a miniseries, which became a huge hit TV show that no went for one. nine, ten seasons. We should have seen it coming. It's a very easy premise to film. <laughs> so because of that, now I just can't help myself but buy number ones because it's always <laughs> in the back of my mind. Even if I see a number one, I'm like, this isn't going to be worth anything. <laughs> like, fuck it, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I spend way too much money on number ones because I suspect. <laughs> you suspect something like The that Walking I might, Dead is I'll going to happen. I'll make the same mistake. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So It's like, oh, is this going to be the one? But it also works out because now instead of judging things by the cover for their number ones, I'm actually t- buying them and reading them because hey, i bought it might as well read it you know right so it actually opens me up to a lot of stuff like maestros i probably wouldn't have picked up maestros but Boy, are you glad i you was did. like number one oh, the cover's pretty cool ah fuck it i'll pick it up and i loved it <laughs> it's <was> amazing <laughs> so yeah it's just plenty of examples out there where yeah yeah god this is ooh. i I really take issue with, personally, the the concept of uh, judging a book by its cover. 
there's a big positive and there's a big negative. The big positive to it is being able to like discern based on the outside quality how much effort was put into the book yeah. and what have you. Um, the downside is because it's the job of like uh, in some cases a different set of people compared to what happens on the inside of the book. Hence why we have did the content match the drapes. Uh, look for it every week. Look for it every week. Uh, Shameless we, you, plug. Yeah. <laughs> we could end up with two separate things. Yeah. And that is, that, that's always the risk. That is almost exactly the reason why I didn't get Walking Dead number one. And man, do I regret that shit. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't tell you. Oh. Oh. Oh, such a big mistake on both our parts. Yeah. <laughs> As a collector. I mean, there's other comics where I've collected them, and I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And then they did gain a lot of value. But so- sometimes I kind of shoot myself in the foot in that aspect, too, because I'm like, do I really want to sell it? <laughs> I kind of like it. Right. <laughs> I like it a lot. Right. And it- then I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> I should have bought two issues. <laughs> But what am I supposed to do now? Buy two issues of every number one? There's a new number one of something every week, you know? That adds up. Yeah, you're you're then put into a different predicament. It's like, do I buy to enjoy or do I buy to invest? Yeah, and it's usually not the bad ones that become valuable. Right. So (laughs) it's it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It's always a toss-up. Oh, well. Did, yeah. uh, that did you have any other really big examples you wanted to get into before we go into our next topic? Um, not that I can think of. I mean, I'm sure there are other things where I wish I had gotten the number one and missed out, but that's just the nature of judging a book by its cover. Like, you, you're, you're taking a gamble every time. Do you have an example of something you judged the cover, judged it by its cover? Not literally, but <laughs> maybe figuratively, depending on the content. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you thought it was going to be good, but it turned out to be bad. Oh. <laughs> um, well, when it came to comic books like uh, X-Men Gold, I'm just going to put this out here right now. X-Men Gold is very hit or miss. Like, top to bottom, it's either really good for, like, a short burst, or it's just, it's slow, and it's, like, it's not very action-packed. Yeah. Or it's a lot of dialogue. Um, But I'm an X-Men fan. Mm -hmm. I went into... Uh, X-Men Gold thinking, oh my God, th- like th- they're back. Oh my God, they're back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, we have Kitty Pride leading the team. It's like, yeah, everybody gets one shot. Um, we-, we have Old Man Logan because Young Man Logan is, he's old. <laughs> they're-, they're different. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we-, we have... Colossus be- becoming a-, a lot more present and maybe a little bit less of a I'm here just to hit things. Even though he should just be here to hit things. And Bone Kitty Pride. Y- yes, both of those things. 
And and then we have we have other characters that round out this team like we always have with the X-Men. And the cover it like it, it was sharp. It was it was bold. But what happened on the inside was such a I, I want to say it was like is the same kind of like down feeling that I get whenever I watch one of the old Brian Singer X Men movies. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it it, it, it sounds every time I think of the X Men, I always think of the '90s X Men, where yeah, there would be like serious shit happening, but they would also be like playing basketball outside or like playing baseball or doing something fun yeah living their life proud and free unfortunately yes shining like an american (laughs) (laughs) except for the russian one except for the we'll adopt that one (laughs) russia doesn't want him anymore um Unfortunately, what I got harkened back to the, oh my God, we have to li- live in fear all the time, and like you never know when something's gonna come out of the woodwork and try to kill us all. Yeah, and it's like that every single time, every time, it's like oh, the, there's something else that could potentially kill us all. Oh look. Here's this guy who came back who's going to potentially kill us all. Oh, look, there's bad press that might lead all of the people on this state to just come and kill us all. Oh, no, looks like we have to come up with a secret task force so that we can take care of the people who might kill us all (laughs) discreetly. (laughs) We'll kill them all. God! (laughs) (laughs) For me, I have a really, really obvious example. Maybe two. Yeah. What the fuck? We'll go with two. Yeah. I have two really obvious examples outside of actual comic books where I totally misjudged uh, the content by the cover. Yeah. And then I got into it and I was like, oh, this is bad. Oh. Um, I mean, the night one was a n- night one. Nightwing was a good example of that. Yeah. That was a good example of a comic. Um, but from the movies, uh, Wolverine, X-Men Origins. That one was probably the first one where I looked at the content, Hugh Jackman, love Hugh Jackman, and uh, love him as Wolverine. They were going to have Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. I was like, whoa, that's awesome. He's the perfect guy for it. You know, They were going to have Sabretooth come back in the movie. And they were setting up for this big epic, you know, story with Wolverine, where instead of pretending that it's not about Wolverine when it's really about Wolverine, like they do <laughs> in the X Men movies, they just committed and yeah. went, "This is about Wolverine." Yeah, and they have images of him riding a motorcycle and you know having all these awesome epic scenes and Ryan Reynolds swinging swords around, cutting people up, you know, in the intro before he's mutated. Yeah, th- which th- is a little silly if you know. Deadpool's history, but yeah, <laughs> um, uh, they they went really hard in the paint with that one with the uh, let's get as comic booky as we fucking can. Yeah, and I, I'm a DC fanboy sh- through and through, but Wolverine is easily my favorite character from Marvel. 
without a doubt. And that it was before Hugh Jackman. <laughs> uh, you know, even the old, you know, five foot three grumpy, huge mutton chops Wolverine I was into. Uh, just because I like the idea of immortal characters that, you know, constantly have to go through history observing, you know, the mistakes of man and mutant kind alike, you know. Yeah. Uh so I really I really love Wolverine in that movie. I just all everything from the hype machine to the people talking about it and including Deadpool for the first time and all this stuff, I was totally on board for. And then I went into it, I was like, oh my God, this is awful. It's <laughs> awful. And Hugh Jackman. Huge <laughs> Jackman. Was still pretty good. Everything around it was awful. Just awful. It was really bad. And then uh, Ooh, yeah. that one was just kind of a disappointment for me because, again, I'm not that committed to the Marvel Universe, even though Wolverine is probably top three favorite characters. Um, but it was still a big disappointment. But I knew there was going to be more movies and it was going to be fine. The one that broke my heart was Man of Steel. Oh, Anybody who remembers those promotions, we were coming... Fresh, hot off the heels of the Dark Knight trilogy, which even though the third one wasn't the best, <laughs> it was still okay. And cinematically, it was just outstanding. Yeah. Um. So you had everything you could want. You know, the stars aligning. They were heavily pushing that Chris Nolan, even though he wasn't the director, he was, he was the, the producer. Yeah, he was the producer at that point. Could mean anything from he contributed heavily to hiring and stuff to, uh, well, let's just credit him. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we need somebody to be credited here. <laughs> um, and the, the all the promotional t- material made for this big, you know, kind of humanistic focus story, unlike, you know, where Christopher Reeve's Superman movies were over the top and silly and goofy and Superman was way overpowered and could reverse time and all the stupid shit, you know. Um, yeah. uh, goofy, corny shit. That was fine for the time because that's what comics were at the time. But um, in the present after the Dark Knight trilogy and the X-Men movies and the Spider-Man movies, we had a higher standard, you know. We had built up to the point where we, we could really take this on and do Superman justice with a good, you know, down-to-earth, no pun intended, story uh, featuring... Superman uh, at Dawn of Justice? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) featuring a very jacked Henry Cavill. Oh, my God. With his beard and his big hairy man chest. (laughs) I'm heterosexual, but man. (laughs) Beefcake. He's he's what I wish I could be. (laughs) Square-jawed. (laughs) another example is like oh maybe they should have gone smallville with this (laughs) but um they advertise this movie as this big epic kind of you know questioning what's superman's role on this planet you know should he hide his identity should he come out and be an icon for people to follow is are people going to deify him like a you know a, a new you know savior or something you know it's like basically what? a new god has oh, arrived yeah or is he going to be able to strive to have this normal life you know where he, he tries to just hide his things and be left alone you know and they had that with the oil rig and you know him going on the road and keeping his identity a secret and his dad questioning whether he should have told people or showed people a secret to save their lives and blah 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 you know all that stuff built for a great epic human story and what we got was just 
the most goofy, like over the top, stupid, <laughs> stupid movie with a terrible premise and penis <laughs> prison ships shooting <laughs> off from Krypton. Oh, the, big black penis ships. Yeah, big black dicks going into uh, space. And it wasn't Henry Cavill's fault. It wasn't uh, who's the guy that played Zod. Uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. It wasn't Michael Shannon's fault. They both played their roles perfectly for what they were given. Yeah. Uh, you know, even their performances. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Thank you. <laughs> Kevin Costner played his role as well as he could for what he was given. But then they just have him kind of <sighs> the tornado scene, and then you know the it, tornado scene really broke you. <laughs> it really did. It broke my will for this entire movie universe, which sucks because <laughs> I could I didn't even have hope from that point on. And they made it, you know, they advertise it as this big like epic where he's questioning what what he should do, what his role should be, this and that. Uh, and what we got was like ten minutes of that leading into stupid tornado death for dad and then big stupid cg fights with a bunch of kryptonians which you know the smallville one was kind of fun and cool but like the context didn't make sense (laughs) and then like everybody seems to know like he's superman even though nobody (laughs) acknowledges it you know lois lane just shows up in smallville and is like oh you're superman right (laughs) he's like "Uh, i guess but uh what how did you yeah and then we have superman destroying all of metropolis to save them i i guess i mean i guess they he saved the planet but destroyed the city (laughs) and then then he, he kills the main villain which you know i wasn't like as butthurt as a lot of superman fans were i was just like all right whatever but it still didn't play into what they had built up to that point where, you know, the advertising campaign built for this big epic human story. And then we got into the movie and it wasn't that at all. It was a big, goofy CG Zack Snyder comic book movie. Like we we leaned really hard into the yeah. alien aspect. Yeah, way like, too hard. It's like we had weird thumb drive Russell Crowe dad. <laughs> guiding around Lois Lane for some reason and you know somehow Lois Lane doesn't freeze to death in Antarctica while she's climbing the side of an iceberg over the open ocean <laughs> just uh, just can, a lot of st- stupidity can, can we talk a minute about the uh very thick meaty throbbing judeo-christian symbolism that they put into this movie (laughs) yeah they were very strongly pushing the whole jesus thing and the same with bbs but there's at least bbs i was prepared for it right man of steel is like oh no this is not what you advertised to me at all what is what is going on (laughs) we we have this human story about a, a man from another world who we actually put into a and pardon my uh, Soundgarden reference, a Jesus Christ pose <laughs> in space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was BBS, wasn't it? No, that, that he, was Man of Steel. He take up the nuke, uh, and then he falls like this. I mean, they might have him do that. Uh, wow, that would make that two. Um, <laughs> I might uh, be wrong. I thought he did, though. No, when he's exiting the uh, Kryptonian ship after he gets... Uh, news from his space dad where his uh, earth bay is <laughs> <laughs> he he just he just leaves floats in space for a little bit and just does oh is that the part where he flies by wayne satellite or whatever 
no, the Wayne satellite thing, that's in the middle of, of the right. Zod fight. I cut so much of that movie out of my memory. <laughs> some stupidity. I don't know. I, I, I guess did, we can leave it there. <laughs> I, I did like that they did make a very tiny, very almost microscopic reference to Booster Gold. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's just my quintessential example of being set up and judging a book by its cover and going, this is going to be awesome. And then I went in. I was just so heartbroken. <laughs> it still hurts me inside. I still feel pressure in my chest <laughs> when I think about that movie oh. and how much they disappointed me. And the action scenes were fine, sp- specifically the Smallville action scenes where they're not destroying. How can he fight not one but two Kryptonians in Smallville with Feora and the other guy and not destroy the entire city or the entire town? But yet he fights one Kryptonian in Zod and destroys the entire fucking city. Uh, well, I guess this is just the result of two people. Just we we had two Kryptonians who were the underlings of Zod. Like if you can remember their names, I will. <laughs> Fiora's one. I don't remember the other one. Yeah. Thing number two. Thing number two. Um, oh, and don't forget, these guys were all genetically engineered to be warriors. Right. Superman was not. Superman. He's just a guy. <laughs> yeah, he, he was the one natural birth, so he didn't have any of those advantages, but still managed to come out on top. Uh, also, Zod. You know how he did it? He overpowered the ray. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it, but I can do it. <laughs> That's how he solves every problem. (laughs) I don't think I can do it. Yeah, I can totally do this. I can just punch it harder. It's like, (gasps) wow, why didn't I do that earlier? That was so easy. (laughs) It's all willpower. (laughs) It's all willpower. It's almost like he should be a Green Lantern. No, don't do that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was just my perfect example for most disappointing. That was a perfect example. Uh, so with that, let's get into our final topic of the day: the new era of DC heroes. Ah. Now, uh, I I just wanted to bring this up because with the delays of the Immortal Men, and we have the kind of disappointing start with Damage, which was not supposed to be the first one. Oh come on, Th- that um, had Major Legit in it. <laughs> major Legit. <laughs> I did I tell you I found a uh, car dealership that is called Legit. Car dealership spelled the same way, like Leggett, L E G G E T T or something. Yeah, and it's right, it's right next to Laughing Ogre, (laughs) (laughs) and it's like the most sketched-looking used car lot I've ever seen. And it's literally called Legit Used Cars. (laughs) Totally legit. Come buy a used car. (sighs) These cars work. We promise. There's no sawdust in these transmissions. Who do you think we are? Not legit. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i don't know i'm totally saying that they might be fine they might be a perfectly good dealership but they, <laughs> i they, just thought it was funny they might be legit legit used cars <laughs> like, all, all right <laughs> sounds trustworthy but um with the new era of dc heroes uh when we first heard about the news i think november ish october ish yeah. we were both totally on board because for ever since we began this podcast and even well before We'd privately talked like, there's nothing wrong with 
adding diverse, interesting characters to your pantheon of superheroes and to your titles. But our problem is that for an overwhelming amount of the time, instead of creating something new or interesting or somebody with challenges, they create a carbon copy of an existing character or have an existing character step down or die for some reason so that this diverse version can step into the role and they don't give them any kind of struggle. They're perfect at everything from the get-go, if not better. Um, Yeah. uh, For example, one of the biggest examples I can think of just off the top of my head is with the Green Lanterns, where they added Simon Baz as a Green Lantern. Now, it's not as bad because Green Lantern's a police force, so anybody can technically be a Green Lantern. Not a big deal. But we have seven from the same planet where you're <laughs> supposed to have one in a space quadrant, which includes several galaxies. <laughs> so, um, But that Earth, though. <laughs> <laughs> there's something wrong there. And they did that so they could add a Middle Eastern character to you know, kind of counter what Marvel was doing with Miss Marvel, who is a Middle Eastern character. Um and Simon Baz, he was cool. He's interesting. They gave him some kind of dynamic for the beginning, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. But then the moment he left Earth and went into space, they instantly made him great at everything and made him better than everybody else. And <laughs> even Kyle Rayner, who was a White Lantern at the time, who has the power of the White Lantern ring, uh, a, a power he has of the that. power of every color of the spectrum. It, it it's absurd. That one character has this power at all. And Simon Baz, through sheer willpower, brings back all the people that were killed on Sinestro's planet by himself. Tuning into the White Lantern power, even though Kyle Rayner, who is a White Lantern, was right next to him. (laughs) even kyle rayner who is a legitimate and the longest running white lantern of any of them could not bring people back from the dead one person let alone several at at this point simon baz simon baz brings people back from the dead through willpower he doesn't Ooh. even give a. F- he wasn't even. He was here. He's been here for two weeks. <laughs> he's a brand new recruit, but because he's a diverse character, and we need to give him some prominence, and we need to make him, you know, great. <laughs> like so, we we can replace the previous white characters with him, you know. Whereas I think John Stewart was an example where they did it well. It, yeah, he wasn't great uh, from the get go. He had to go through training. He had to go through the learning curve. You know, he had to deal with a fucking insane Hal Jordan. You yeah. know, with this it, annoying asshole Guy Gardner. Yeah, Guy Gardner right next to him, uh, and then Kyle Rayner being the kind of <laughs> you know goofy, you know, likable guy on the other side that was undisciplined. You know, yeah, he's the goofy undisciplined so you got, artist. You got the angry undisciplined guy, and you got the kind of goofy fun undisciplined guy helping you to try to defeat the the first Earth Green Lantern who was just a monster. <laughs> so, oh yeah, those were fun days. I thought that was done appropriately, even though it was again just kind of throwing a diverse character with the same kind of mantle. You know, it, yeah. Um, but there's so many examples out there where they just kind of flip the script and you have the the iron man oh, no. girl who's oh no uh, uh, 
a black woman who just stole the technology from Stark. <laughs> He's a black and, teenager. And, and is instantly great at it. <laughs> and then, like, you know, Camilla Khan like, and, oh. you know, uh, DC's done it too, you know, even with the new Jessica Cruz, you know, who they paired up with Simon Baz as a Green Lantern. She's had issues and it's just, there's nothing wrong with adding diverse, awesome new characters, but there, you, you can't just cut somebody out and remake them you know even with you know falcon becoming captain america and the female thor taking over and right uh, hulk being taken over by other people <laughs> um oh, hawkeye yeah. and hawkeye i think that's another big one uh. just you that's not how you introduce diverse new characters and interesting characters make new ones and the ones that you have like fucking wolverine <laughs> yeah x23 wolverine, wolverine. Um, mm. but I mean, I, they haven't done that shit to Gambit though. So we, <laughs> you're lucky, <laughs> um, but we've talked about this all the time. You know, there's nothing wrong with diversity. In fact, we encourage it, uh, but do something new, do something interesting, make them human, make them relatable. You know, don't just make them perfect from the get go, you know, uh, give them a mantle, give them a learning curve, give them some kind of context for their regular life. And uh, for the old, you know, ones that they already have but haven't been using, you know, give them a shot. Give them a year to flesh out a story before you cancel them three issues in because nobody knows who the hell they are and nobody's buying them for that reason. You know, right. Static Shock is the biggest example of that where they, they give them a shot from time to time and then they're like, eh, no one's buying because they don't know who the fuck he is. <laughs> you right. got to give them a chance. Right. Um, like, they need to make more of a big deal. Like, advertise in your other issues that Static Shock is coming, guys. Yeah. So I They're there's just like randomly like oh you're static shot. Yeah, there's a ton of examples of this. But we were applauding the initiative from the new era of DC Heroes where they were going to launch several lines that featured diverse characters, that featured brand new characters, that featured characters that had kind of been overlooked in the past and bringing them back like Mr. Terrific who is because of his goofy name typically doesn't sell that well, but he's actually a really cool character. Um uh you have uh, new characters like Damage and uh, Silencer and you know, now this Immortal Men group, which is kind of a hodgepodge of old characters and new characters, you know. And there's just all these slated um, features that are coming up from DC that I think is really cool and that we were plotting it. But now that it's actually here and in practice, I'm a little disappointed with how it's going. Uh, you get So far, <laughs> I think the biggest mistake out of all of these is that they're making so many of them based on a event in this case dark knight's metal to even have context instead of fleshing them out with their own first issue right you're just kind of throwing people into this whether they've read dark and metal or not and not really giving much of a warning you know yeah uh that you need to read dark knight's metal to even know what the hell this is talking about and then when you get into it the content itself artwork's fine but like the the stories themselves so far just really underwhelming and like even the previews we saw for the terrifics we're, we're just like is this just a fantastic four ripoff so and it's definitely what it seemed like is damage just a hulk ripoff like <laughs> it it feels like all they're doing with these new characters is instead of killing off or replacing one of their own characters like batman superman you know whatever else fill in the blank and then replacing them with a more diverse version 
we're just copying characters from Marvel and other comics outside of the DC world and then pasting them into the DC world with a different skin color, a different religious background, a different sex, a different uh, sexual orientation. <laughs> like, I swear to God, if Silencer is an uh, independent black woman version of Bullseye, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> like I hope it, it looks really interesting. We're both really into this and we yeah. we want these concepts to be great and we want it to be good, but so far it's been really disappointing and I think that's another thing where we kind of judged it by the covers. We're like this is a great initiative. I'm glad they're doing this. You know, this is the way you do it. And then so far, obviously it needs more of a run and context, but so far yeah. it's been incredibly disappointing and now we're having all these delays. So yeah. not not only did you fail to meet your quota for December, you're failing your quota up until April Ooh. to even start with some of these books. And that's that's just like sending this whole new era of DC heroes to die cuz where they were going to build this whole new pantheon for the DC universe to be alongside the regular, you know, DC characters, the more typical ones you recognize they're just kind of sending them to their grave because they didn't prepare properly and they're overstretching their artists and writers, you know, trying to do other projects, you know, that sell more like these big events. Like, do we need an injustice Two copy for justice league? No justice. <laughs> uh, do we need, you know, dark Knights metal where we have evil bat versions of every justice league character? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that's necessary. Uh, <laughs> um, maybe it shouldn't take, be. Maybe take a few of those projects off and commit more resources to this great initiative that you're trying to do, and you're putting in heavy advertisement for. How yeah. are you going to spend all this money on advertising and TV and w- on the web and all these different things, all these different like, platforms? It's like and space not, within the other comics yeah, that you're and, trying to push, and not have any of it finished. Y- yeah. So this brings up two problems where. You have kind of the preconceived notion of, you know, finishing a title or at the very least having the entire script outlined and done before you begin releasing them instead of making the first issue and releasing it the next month or whatever, you know, three months from now. Like, you got to make these things ahead of time for one. And two, you got to quit straining your artists and creators and trying to force them to make all this content in such a short span of time. And... It's just another example where I think they're stretching them too thin. New 52, they did that. They brought back a lot of characters that hadn't really received love, like Firestorm and um, Mr. Terrific and Static Shock. All these characters got to come back, but they got canceled in only a few issues. And to no fault of their own, they were pretty decent stories, good artwork, but they were stretched so fucking thin because they had 52 different titles that (laughs) they were trying to push, you know, over the whole span of the time. Uh, And I think that was just sending their death knell to these new diverse characters and now i'm afraid that they're going to do this and the artists and the writers are going to be strained and the the audience isn't going to be there because they keep getting delayed and they you know by the time the second third issue comes out you know it's been four months and you don't care anymore and you don't want to go back and reread everything and i'm afraid that they're going to do this and at the end of it they're going to point fingers at sales and be like see we told you every time we try this the right way quote unquote it My quote, work. yeah, it doesn't work clearly, and it's like no. Every time you do it, you fuck it up. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you, you don't do it. You don't prepare things ahead of time. You don't flesh things out, and then you have all these delays, which alienates your audience. And instead of creating new characters, you're just copying characters from other comic book publishers. Like, yeah, that's 
Uh, maybe update a few of the names for the old characters. You know, instead of calling him Mr. Terrific, don't don't call him Mr. T because that's a copyright infringement. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Mr. Nope, T pities the fool who tries to call Mr. Terrific Mr. T. <laughs> How about you just call him something different? He he's an awesome character. I'm sure you could come up with another T name. Um, uh, damage instead of making him based on this big event that you know lacks context that isn't even finished. Dark Knight's Metal's not even done yet. How are you going to br- base brand new characters on Off a, of something on an event that finished. hasn't even finished? Yeah, it's just <sighs> there's a lot of this stuff going on. Even the signal, the signal is what we criticize, where they just took the bat mantle and put him on a, a anonymous black guy, <laughs> <laughs> and they made his outfit yellow instead of black or purple or blue. And go ahead, new characters. Diversity, and he is once again from Dark Knight's Metal, which is not even finished. So, what are we supposed to do with all this? Um, and in a new fifty-two, end of new fifty-two, they started doing it too. With uh, I think it was called Bluebird, which is she basically looked like Blue Nightwing, but she had a gun and stuff. Oh, I don't was that the one with called. like the weird fucking mohawk and like the super blue hair? Yeah, and, and I think that they're what they had planned was to kill Nightwing with Forever Evil, and then when fans got really pissed off, <laughs> they went, "Oh no, no, no! He's gonna be in Grayson now." Ooh. And then to try to pacify fans, they added a diverse version of Nightwing in this female night bluebird character that had the Nightwing style mask and logo, but with a mohawk and a gun and. She fought alongside Batman. (laughs) (laughs) So there's definitely been some issues along the way. And I'm worried that this new era of DC Heroes is going to unfortunately fail, not because of the content, but because of the production. And that's my biggest fear. And I I feel like it's going to set DC and comic books in general back again because they're going to point to this and see, hey, see how much criticism we got for this? For trying to do this and straining our artists and writers and blah blah blah. Well, maybe just don't produce it that way. Maybe maybe your right. business model is flawed. Yeah, uh, maybe your production that, model is a little flawed. That that's that I think is the the big thing as far as when it comes to new initiatives like this, where we're trying to introduce new characters or maybe reintroduce similar uh, familiar characters. But uh, tweak them a little bit. Yeah. Um. Well, folks, I think that wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books Podcast. Mediocre! Thank you all for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe and follow us on your podcast services of choice. Remember, we're on all the social networks. We're on Twitter at HTBVids and on Facebook at forward slash Hit the Books Our website is htbvids.com, where you can find links to everything and all of our content, including our YouTube channel, including our Stitcher page, our iTunes feed, uh, all our written content, all the covers, previous covers of the week. And a fun part of that is if you go look at the covers of the week, you can literally click the picture and it'll take you straight to the video, if that's your thing. Oh, yeah. (coughs) Uh, Remember... It really does help us out if you like and subscribe. It helps us get one step closer to that vanity URL so we don't have to make people go through our website to go to the channel. I mean, you can always put it in the search bar, and if you're subscribed, you don't even have to do that. Um, but it really does help us out if you leave a comment, leave us a like, leave us uh, subscribe, and uh, give us some constructive criticism or uh, some pointers or uh, some things you'd like to see in the future uh, on our Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. So please feel free 
to uh, talk to us and let us know what you think and what we can do better and what you like that we're doing. Also, if you're subscribed, you can uh, hit that notification bell to let you know when we have new stuff out. Mm-hmm. As you know, Hit the Books podcast comes to you every Wednesday on the same day that your new comics are released at your local comic book shops. Uh, sometimes we're a little bit late. Last last week we were a little bit late because, uh, unfortunately, the computer crashed while I was rendering. <laughs> so we had to restart the rendering process, which anybody that's familiar with long video, video editing, it takes forever. So... Apologies there. Uh, hopefully this one will get out to you on time. Uh, I think that's everything. I've been your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we'll see you next week. Excelsior! <laughs> Woo! Hit the books, 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 hit the books. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show you the way. <laughs> the way into heaven. You must have a bullet to know the way. It is not through Zimbabwe.